Alrighty. My idea of how we can approach this is while Ozzy is performing and doing the fights, we can do some roles and ability checks to kind of see how the evening plays out and what kind of information Jang and Maisel can obtain and how they attempt to obtain it through the progression of the evening until the fights are concluded. Um, going into it, we can do some ability contests with Ozzyus to determine interest going into and out of the fights of his whole shtick and what he the information he's trying to seed into the audience. So that said, what respectively Drang and Maisel at the start of all this before the fights begin, what is your plan or your approach? And you all can kind of collectively come to an agreement on what you think is going to be best. Drang is going to be mousy. Okay. Going to be a cute little mousy. Uh, real quick, what you're saying is you're going to be a mouse. Yeah, a cute little mousy. Cool. Uh, Maisel is surprised by that, number one, that you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Drang could be a bear. That's... Although admittedly... And she was surprised by that too, but it was the middle of a fight. So (laughs) that was just like downtime. I guess I'll be a mouse. (laughs) I guess, yeah, I've decided I want to be a mousy. Yeah, I would imagine that Maisel didn't have much success just like with the couple of hours, even if it was that much after the interaction this morning. She was probably too distracted to like be a good I'm here as a high whirler. So she is willing to like spend time in like background just watching at the fights but probably is not like there is no active participation coming from her there she was watching and uh just letting whatever happens with Ozzy happen okay understood so Maisel you're just watching the fights you're not getting too involved um Drang you're going to change your shape as a mouse are you doing are you sticking with Maisel Drain's going to stick close to Maisel, um, partially because it's very easy for a mouse to get lost in a room full of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And what does Ozzy do at the start of this whole interaction? So going into the fights, you have a chance to hype up the crowd a little bit before your first mm-hmm. fight. Um, what do you do with that time? So yeah, Ozzy kind of, uh, or the infernal pain now, uh, <laughs> surveys the crowd um, and says, um, Mortals, there will be no victory here. There is only a victory for the infernal pain. And like puts his hands up uh, and does the snap to like light his fire crown, I think. Whoa. Did you see that? (laughs) Dude's head's on fire. Whoa. (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, and then says, um, but with the Infernal Pain's victory also comes a prize. To the winner of tonight, I will present a chest of Infernal Treasures <laughs> such as this. And then he uh, removes the, the cylinder mm-hmm. okay. uh, and holds it up for the crowd to see. Make a performance check. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's a 24. Okay. Uh, yeah, people start murmuring in the audience. There's like whispers and hushed conversations occurring as people are like, whoa, what, what's he talking about? Infernal treasures. And the whole crowd kind of seems piqued by this strange object and other possible strange things you could offer. Dylan, while I'm there, I want to 
see if I notice anyone who's like particularly interested and particularly big as a human. Yeah. Go ahead and make a uh, investigation check for me, or perception, rather. Uh, not great. Eleven. Most everyone seems to be talking about it. The Infernal Pain is a pretty loud presence and seems to have gotten a lot of people's attention. Just about every person in the building is kind of gravitating towards staring at this strange individual as they hold up the cylinder in the air, trying to beckon people to take their challenge. Drang's also watching the crowd. You can make a perception check as well. That is an 18 plus whatever Drang's bonus is, and for perception, it's about 22. Okay. You don't see anyone who's particularly interested in the object. Quite the opposite. You see someone that looks up and sees it and immediately looks away and tries to avoid making eye contact or looking in the direction of uh, the infernal pain. Instead, looking down at their table uh, with their um, hands and little coin purse sat in front of them, uh, not looking at the object at all as soon as they see it for the first time. Uh, They are large, appearing almost human, um, built quite broad. Pretty good approximation of the description you were given for the the person you're looking for. Yeah, and I think as before, Drang's gonna uh, ratatouille Maisel. (laughs) Okay. Understood. Maisel, with a little bit of doing, Drang is able to kind of clue you in on the presence of this individual who is quite suspiciously trying to avoid looking at the cylinder as the infernal pain holds it up in the air, enticing everyone around him. Uh, I would imagine this is happening, like, the... Well, I, I guess I should ask, is the infernal pain holding that up for, like, a full couple of minutes? Or is that, like, up, and then I have to walk over as the fight begins? Um... This would be a question for Dalton, but I imagine only up for a moment before... Hermine uh, begins to facilitate the beginning of the first fight. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Okay. After that first fight, and through the duration of that fight, uh, Drang, Maisel, what do you do? Drang's keeping an eye on her mark. Okay. Yeah, I think Maisel, um, and maybe it's misguidedly, like at one point finds some, like, big human person who leaves... Um, and Maisel walks outside and, like, stands outside to watch this guy who's, I don't know, smoking a cigarette or something. But mm-hmm. Maisel, um, decidedly separates from Drang and is standing outside of this area, not watching the fight, but standing, um, in, uh, back in the alley or back in the street, wherever would be, uh, most prescient. Okay. And Drang, do you just continue to keep an eye on the your mark through the remainder of the fight, you said? Yep. Okay. I mean, having been shaken by Maisel is not, uh, <laughs> not something Drang necessarily likes, but the job is to keep an eye on this guy, so. Understood. Dalton, does Ozius make any other, like, further attempts to draw attention to himself or kind of do anything more with his whole shtick, or does he just go into performance mode and, and just fight in earnest? Yeah, I think just fighting in earnest to Ozzy is the best way to get this done is to make sure this person is 
paying attention to him mm-hmm. and not Maisel and Drang. Um, so yeah, I think I think he just dives into the fight. Okay. Oh, sorry. One thing. Uh, Maisel does bet every single penny she has on Ozzy. Good. <laughs> Good. Love it. Okay. We'll have to see how that pans out. <laughs> Unfortunately, there will be a bit of, weight of a wait on that one, but uh, at least for the moment. But we'll see how that goes. Um, okay, so the fights the fights continue. Um, Drang, you keep an eye on your mark, and he continues to watch the fights intently, betting periodically throughout the fights as they continue. He is pretty transfixed on staying focused on his goal until about two-thirds of the way through the evening before coming up on the final fight, he gets up and walks out. Yeah, Drang's gonna... Crap, what's a mouse's speed? Let's take a look here. It's 30 feet, but they're very tiny feet, so... 20 feet is very fast for a very tiny creature, but not as fast as a normal-sized creature. But 30 feet, that's your max speed in a round, so that's assuming you're running. Oh, no, 20 feet. No, I'm talking about for an average creature. Okay. Just because he has a speed of 30, that would mean he would have to be sprinting. Okay. (laughs) So if he's walking, Dran can keep up if she scurries. Yes. She also has advantage on smell-based perception checks, so... Okay. Good to know. Dylan, does he he stink? Uh, (laughs) No. He's perfectly scentless, <laughs> like an unscented candle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if an unscented candle was a human person, it would be this man. <laughs> okay, yeah, so he walks out. Maisel, you actually, in the back alley, uh, see him emerge from the cellar entrance to the basement of the Lioness Tavern, and from the fighting ring below, and he steps outside walks out into the thoroughfare and looks around for a moment, ties his coin purse to his belt, and starts walking down the street back towards uh, the edge of town. Um, I don't do anything with that until I see Mouse Drang pop out and I think follow. Okay. I think I just see him as like another dude. Uh, what does Mouse Drang do? <laughs> I mean... Follows after him, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm following the guy, yeah. S- slowly climbing the stairs. Not necessarily moving at a normal speed. Eventually, Drang pops out of the entrance to the cellar and scurries down onto the ground and starts following after this person. Um, okay, I do my best non-chasing chase as well, like trying to be sneaky. Make a stealth check. Uh, ooh, that's 20. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're able to stay out of view quite easily. He doesn't seem to be looking over his shoulder or anything. He's just walking. But you kind of make sure that you're following a path where you're not going to make a lot of noise, and you follow far enough back that you're not noticeable as you kind of trail after him. A few minutes pass... And he continues walking towards the east end of town, kind of towards the edge of town. And you start getting into buildings that look a little older, a little more worn. 
And as you get further, he turns off into the side street and out of sight for a moment. It's about 20 minutes to half an hour of walking. Uh, Drang, you following uh, as well. And he turns out of sight beyond this corner. I mean, I guess Drang, like Drang's going to follow. Drang's a mouse. She doesn't have to necessarily worry about being stealthy right now. Okay. She's just doing mouse shit. <laughs> you know, like mices do. Okay. Uh, Maze will go ahead and make another stealth check for me. Uh, oh, no. Uh, that one's a seven. Okay, okay. cool. Neat. <laughs> well, homegirl did bad, is mm-hmm. what we're saying here. Yeah. Okay. Um, you... Dragons, you're following behind him. You hear a sound as Maisel steps into a particularly um, kind of frozen patch of snow and it cracks under footfall. And he stops and looks over his shoulder and picks up his pace and darts behind another alley out of sight. And Maisel, as you turn the corner, you see he's not there anymore. You do see Drang still scurrying on the ground. And as you, Drang, turn into this alley between these two buildings, he's not there. It's just empty. You can see all the way out to the street on the other side, but there's no one in the alley. Okay, I know we've described him as an unscented candle, but (laughs) Drang's going to wiggle her little mouse nose and try to suss out if he's nearby. Make a perception check. Sniffle, sniff. Do I use my own wisdom score? I believe you use your wisdom and your intelligence. Not great. I think my best total was eight there. <laughs> I rolled with, I look, I rolled a five and a six. It's not great. It's not ideal. Uh, uh, yeah, don't smell anything except for the air, some dirt. Maisel. Yeah. I don't smell. <laughs> I'm an animal. I can smell people. You come up behind Dragon, also turn into this alley, and yeah, there's two buildings and this narrow alleyway, and he's nowhere to be seen. Uh, building on either side of you. Maisel starts to have a um, panicky moment of this isn't right and tells Mouse Drain, I have to go um, and starts to run back towards the center of town thinking that she needs to go um, check that Demita isn't being attacked. Okay. Yeah, and well, I guess uh, I guess Drang's following Maisel. Let's <laughs> All right. Maisel, you head back towards the center of town. Drang, you follow suit. Uh, Ozzy, as the fights end, and you step outside, kind of waiting to hear from either of the other two, and some moments pass, and there's no return from either of them. Do either of you stop back by the Lioness, or do you go straight to the center of town? I think... Drang's going to be a little bit late because she's just following Maisel to make sure Maisel stays out of trouble. And she's suddenly going to realize that Maisel has broken plan. Crap. And she is going to go back to the lioness. Okay. Maisel, you head back to the center of town. You head back to the lioness and you find Ozius standing outside, still dressed as the infernal pain. By this point, I would say that your wild shape will have faded. Because collectively, through the fight and through all of this, it would have been just about an hour. Um, you return back to the lioness and find Ozzy standing outside. All right. We did lose him. Uh, what? I can show you to where. 
show me to where you lost him? What good does that do me? Fine, go, whatever. And uh, as the two of you return to the alley where you lost your mark, and yes, sure enough, there's this turn into this narrow alley between two buildings, and this is apparently where he disappeared. Uh, I guess I just start opening doors or like trying to open doors. I don't know. Okay. Uh, make an investigation check for me. Okay. It's a 10. Okay. So the two buildings, these are sort of like inner sides of the, the buildings. There's no doors on this side, but there are two windows, one on each building facing kind of towards each other. And then the alley spills out back into the main street on the other side. As you walk out to that other side, there's nothing really immediately you see other than other buildings out that side of the alley. But you do see those two windows, and the only doors on the buildings are facing outward into the main streets away from the alley between them. So there's no doors in the alley? There's no doors, just two windows. Uh, I'm going to break the windows and see if anybody comes. Okay, sure. Do you just go straight to, to break them? Yeah, yeah, I, just, I think I just break both of them. Okay. Um, you shatter the first one. It's completely silent inside. You don't hear anything. The second one, when you break it, however, you and Drang both smell the smell of, like, soot and, like, coal coming from inside. The other just kind of smells a little mildewy. But this one building, you kind of smell the smell of, like, charcoal or burned wood or coal. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna hop in through that window into the building. Um, okay. I think Trang's gonna wild shape again. Mm-hmm. Uh, wolf this time. Okay. I think trying to track by scent was a correct choice. Mm-hmm. It just went bad. This time, however, she's an aminal that specializes in tracking things and people. Okay, understood. You climb inside, Ozius, and it's dark. There's almost no light. The alley you came from is one of only two windows in this room, and the other has these ratty curtains that are blocking out the light from outside. As you step into this space, there is just like this thick material hanging in the air, like dust or ash kind of floating in this space. And as you walk into the main room, there is this massive charcoal oven that basically eats the entire wall. And ash is just poured out all over the floor from this large stone oven. And it's been scattered all throughout the room, and it hangs in the air as well. And this seems like this was at one point some sort of uh, kiln used for firing pots, maybe, that has gone disused but was never cleaned. And so the entire place just has faint hints of soot and dust clinging to every surface. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to explore around to see if there was any sign of anybody being through here recently or if there's any other places in this building. Okay. Make an investigation check for me. And Drang, what do you do? Drang is going to uh, resume sniffing around the alleyway. Okay. She's going to try to pick up a trail. Make another perception check for me. The wolf also has keen hearing. So one of the rolls is 15. And one of the rolls is 22. Okay. So 22. You can smell the scent of Ozius, Maisel, from being here briefly, as well as a third individual. And the smell seems to stop in the alley about midway. Ozius, what did you get with your investigation? Uh, 18. 
you can see that there are scuffs on the floor, streaks in the soot directly below the windowsill that you climbed through. There are these large portions of this dust, this soot from this spilled out a kiln that have been kind of pushed or displaced inside this room. And you find it strange for a building that looks to be abandoned that so much of this soot is hanging in the air and has been recently kicked up. So someone has most certainly been through here fairly recently. And the trails in the soot lead out to the front door and stop. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to go to the front door and open it, I guess. Okay. Uh, Drang, what do you do? Let's see. Middle of the alleyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, Drang's going to start looking up. Just... Okay. I'm just looking for places that a mortal could go out of nowhere. <laughs> okay. Make another perception check. Uh, Ozzy, as you step outside, you can see that there are these dark sooty footprints in the snow immediately outside the front door that walk out into the main street and kind of disappear a little bit and get mixed in with the mud. But they seem to have passed out the main entrance and into the main street. How's the 17? Uh, yeah, you look around. There's no immediate sight of anybody as far as you can tell. You can see the chimney stack coming out of the building that Ozzy has climbed into. You can tell that the scent kind of stops at the point roughly where the window is. Um, and then poking towards the window, the scent is completely overpowered by the soot. You can't smell anything besides charcoal. But yeah, it kind of stops in that midway point where these windows are. Okay. Went into building. I guess start prowling around the building then. Okay. Uh, eventually you work your way around to the other side and you do find Ozzyus standing out in front. Uh, Ozzyus, you see a wolf. Uh, approach from around the corner of the building out of nowhere. Ozia says, hello, Drang. <laughs> and the two of you are kind of standing out in front. Uh, Drang, you start to pick up that same sooty smell from the inside of the building coming off of Ozias now as you meet him around the other side. Okay, then I think Drang's going to start sniffing around the ground for the soot. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to try to follow the footprints as far as I can, I guess. Make a survival check, Dalton, and a perception for you, Cat. Wee! 19. Okay. I got a two. Okay. Drang sort of leads the way. You catch the scent, and it's quite clear, especially having a good example of it following nearby you. Um, you can smell that soot in the air pretty strongly um, against the freshness of the snow, and you know exactly which direction it went um, from where you are currently. And you can tell it's been maybe about 20 minutes or so since it's passed through and it's starting to dissipate, but you are holding on to it quite tight and chase it through the main street into another alley until eventually you wind your way through these paths, Ozzy is following behind you until eventually it leads you to an old rickety wooden door in a dilapidated building with a ceiling or a roof that you can clearly tell has caved in, even from the outside. Drang's just going to sit down, <laughs> as if to say, this is the spot. Yeah, I'm just going to open the door. Okay. As you reach for the door handle and you push it open, it slowly creaks open. There is a figure standing there, back to you, 
a large humanoid person, tall, broad, wearing a cloak uh, over their shoulders and stands over uh, a bag that is set to the side and you can hear them speaking, murmuring something to themselves as the door opens and then they immediately stop. They turn around holding something shiny and metallic in their hand. They immediately let go as soon as they see the two of you, this wolf and this strange individual. And they turn to face you and say, well, this certainly isn't what I was expecting. Um, yeah, Ozzy clears his throat and then says, um, I was told to find you here to deliver the infernal treasures. Oh, yeah. Treasures. You did say that, didn't you? What kind of treasures are that? Exactly. Yeah, I pull out the the cylinder and kind of hold it out. Huh. And where did you find that? The means by which I come across my treasures are not for discussion. Hell, probably. (laughs) (laughs) In hell. All right. And he puts out his hand. Then I'll take it. Uh, Yeah, I approach him with it extended. He just waits for you to put it in his hand as he stares at you. This, like, cold, Mm -hmm. cool stare. Yeah, and when I put it in his hand, I punch him in the face. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right. Go ahead and make an attack roll. Uh, That's a crit. No shit. (laughs) There's our Aussie. There he is. (laughs) There's our boy. (laughs) So that's 12 damage. 12 damage? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, you sock him good, and he steps back and pulls his body away as soon as you just, like, hit him right across the jaw. And he steps back onto one foot and immediately goes to draw his short sword. I need you all to roll initiative. I just realized I wild-shaped into a creature that has pack tactics, so hell yes. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, delicious. that's right. Oh god, that's this is a so much bad. better choice. Damn, <laughs> doing combat. Woo, sixteen. I also got sixteen. Okay, so the two of you can go in whatever order you would prefer. Um, since I just laid down a punch, I feel like Drang should go. Okay. Yeah, especially since the wolf's bite attack has a chance to knock the opponent prone. Cool. So I feel like if that works, that's a good one too for us. Alrighty, so it's actually Duke's turn first because um, he rolled a natural 20 on his initiative roll. He's a terrible man and I hate him. <laughs> he draws his short sword and just spits blood onto the uh, rotten wooden floor of the building as he draws and immediately swings to hit you, Ozias. Mm-hmm. That is a 20 to hit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Six damage. Okay. Uh, as he swings that sword and just like rakes it across your body, tearing through parts of your uh, your costume as he does. And then he steps back onto his back foot and just prepares himself and readies himself for whatever you throw at him next. Drang, it is your turn. Drang's gonna go low. She's gonna bite for that back foot. Try to knock him over. Alright, go ahead and make an attack roll. Pack tactics! <laughs> <laughs> so unfair. Pack tactics is unfair. It does a 20 hit. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> My first roll was a three. 
<laughs> so that is five piercing damage. Okay. And he has to make a strength saving throw, DC 11. So it's pretty likely that he's going to stay standing. But if he rolls bad, he goes over. Uh, yeah, that's a 19. Yeah, yeah. He's a big boy. Alrighty. Uh, Ozzyus, it's your turn. Seeing Drang go for the leg, uh, I'm going to go for the other leg, just with like a low kick. Okay, go ahead and make an attack roll. Uh, that's a seven. Uh, that will not hit. Cool. I'm going to use my bonus action to attack again. Okay. Do it. Uh, 16. Uh, that will hit. And that is four damage. Okay. He, uh, you miss with that kick. He pulls his leg back, um, but then you do get him with that second strike, and he kind of just bellows as you get him in the chest. Um, you can see the veins in his uh, forehead popping as he gets frustrated and is still just holding on to that short sword um, and holding it up. He uh, Is that the end of your turn or are you going to use any of your moxie points? Um, no, I think I'm going to hold off for now. Okay. He uh, rallies himself to kind of get his bearings and he goes for a strike against uh, Drang who has uh, bitten at his leg. Oof. Uh, yeah, that's only an eight. <laughs> My AC is not high as a wolf, but that is not going to do it. Yeah, he <laughs> he slashes and his sword digs into the wooden boards of the flooring, uh, but he misses you entirely. Um, he kind of curses out loud. Just, Fuck! And seeing himself harried uh, by the two of you, and you can see the panic starting to develop on his face. Um, Drang, it is your turn. I mean, still trying to trying to knock him over. Okay. Wee! Oh, that's not going to do it. I'm going to try that again. Wee! Um, does 16 hit? Yes. Oh, good. Eight damage this time. Okay. And then strength save. Oh, uh, yeah, that time it was only a six. So he does... You, you yank his leg out from under him and he falls prone on the floor. Ass over tea kettle. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just yank him and he completely topples over uh, between the two of you. Short sword still in hand. Ozzyus, it's your turn. Uh, yeah, I want to try to stomp on that sword hand to get him to let go. Yeah, bloodlust. Make Yeah, for a called shot like that to try and make him drop the weapon, make, uh, make an attack roll at disadvantage. Uh, yeah, it's probably not going to do it. Seven. Uh, it does not. You stomp, and his hand kind of moves away, and you kind of put a dent into the floorboards as they buckle under the force of your strike. Okay. Um, with my bonus action, I'm just going to go to kick him. Okay. Go ahead and make that roll. That's a 15? Uh, that will hit. Cool. Uh, and that's seven damage. All right. Uh, yeah, you kick him in the ribs, and he just, like, you can hear the air escaping from his body as soon as you hit him. Um, anything else with your turn? Um, yeah, I want to put an end to this. I'm going to spend a moxie point to do another attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Get him. Uh, it's an 18. That does hit. Oh, buddy. Eight damage. Yeah, you, uh, how do you, how do you finish it? Um, I think after kicking him in the ribs and seeing that he's still, like, in it, Ozzy just, like, straddles his chest and, like, drops down over him and just fucking across the jaw. Okay. You strike him, you rear back, and you hit him, and it hits his jaw, and you can feel 
the jaw crack. And there is a second crack as the board beneath his head snaps and you literally pummel his head through the rotten floorboards of the building and he goes limp. Um, I think I turn to Drang and say, uh, thanks for the assist. Can you uh, make sure this dude's not dead? And Drang is going to resume her regular form and cast a healing magical spell. Okay. Upon the man. And I think as this is happening, Ozzy is putting the handcuffs on him. Sure, yeah, you uh, shackle him. Um, do you just shackle his hands behind his back, or do you do anything else before you before he regains consciousness? Like, how do you how do you secure him? Yeah, I mean, I would like to attach him to like around a post or something if there's one that seems solid enough to hold him. Yeah, there's one that's just positioned right at the edge of where the ceiling has caved in. Cool. I want to loop it around that and then tie him up. Okay, you shackle him to it and prop him up, and then drain you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets. Eight health back or four? Eight? Yeah, eight. Okay. Uh, so he is he regains consciousness and sits uh, shackled against the pole in the center of this rotten, dilapidated building. Edge of the World is hosted on Shortwave, but Shortwave does way more than just host our audio. Shortwave builds our feed, gives us audience analytics, packages our player, and gives us a free website, too. But the coolest thing is that Shortwave stitches our content together automatically so we can do things like swap this ad out for another one whenever we want, or change the outro on all of our episodes at once to announce new projects. Whether you're starting your first podcast or migrating your incredibly successful one over, Shortwave is super easy to use and comes with a free 14-day trial at GoShortWave.com. That's G-O-S-H-O-R-T-W-A-V-E.com. Get started with hosting, syndication, analytics, web players, and dynamic content stitching at GoShortWave.com. Maisel. Hello. You are returning to... See Demita, correct? That's right. I imagine Maisel, like, suddenly remembers, like, oh, wait, there are people in danger that I, not actively, but I'm passively responsible for, and just, it's like, full bore is running towards the center of town. Okay. You arrive back in the center of town, or close, where the, at least where the physician's office is. You see the large half-orc gentleman who operates the small clinic here in Arostadol, um, standing outside uh, the actual clinic itself, um, right out on the street as you approach, and he sees you running up and puts both of his hands up slightly and just says, whoa, you're in a bit of a rush there. What's something wrong? Demita, he's, you're fine. He's fine. Of course he is fine. Everyone's okay. Yes? Why? You didn't... Why would he not be? He's... Did anything happen tonight? No, of course not. He's been sleeping. Quite soundly, I might add. Uh, Maisel, uh, like, sort of bouncing on her heels, like, uh, pats the doctor on the shoulder a couple... Uh, uh, all right. Uh, and starts to run towards the longhouse. She's just like, she's spooked. Okay. 
Sure. He kind of looks at you puzzled and you can see he's a little perturbed by your behavior, but thinks nothing of it as you kind of start running towards the longhouse. And as you kind of approach the building, it's gotten a little bit later and the plaza has died down and there's far less people out. You kind of um, walk out into this main plaza and it's gotten quiet. People have begun to sort of leave. You can still see lights coming from inside the longhouse of just before you, you can see that there is a bit of a din beginning to build in the inn as the nightlife of the town grows, but the streets get quiet. And as you're standing here in the plaza, you feel this strange sensation. You feel this odd feeling roll over you as you're standing here uncertain as to why you're so anxious just this sudden moment of of anxiety and as you approach the longhouse out of fear of something you can't quite place your finger on the air gets stale it feels heavy you place a foot into the center of the plaza standing almost nearly in the dead center of it and it's like you suddenly can't breathe like the air is molasses in your lungs. You aren't choking, but you feel like you might. It's a suffocating feeling, like there's weight on your shoulder, like the world just suddenly got a thousand times heavier and you're being crushed by it. You break out into a cold sweat. You, the hairs on your arms stand on end. It feels like the feeling you felt when you did magic for the first time, this charge, this static electricity that you could feel, but it's so much stronger and it feels almost sickening, like it's going to make you throw up. You feel nauseous as this wave of discomfort rolls over you and you find yourself standing there in this cold sweat. You don't know what it is, but it's like there's something standing over your back, breathing down your neck. It feels like what you imagine it would feel like to be prey, with a predator standing over you, its fangs at your neck. That's what it feels like. And it's so quiet. And then you hear the slow patter of footsteps through the snow. Instinctually, your eyes turn to the side and you see a figure from out of the shadows is caught in the light through one of the windows of the inn as they pass by it. Tall and slender, but cloaked in a shroud of deep red. They walk out into the plaza, and as they step closer to you, not towards you, but closer nonetheless, this feeling grows until you feel as though you are going to literally vomit. Right there. And they turn on their heels, and they start to walk around the edge of the plaza, coursing a path along the entrances to the buildings. This 
radiance of this weight with them. And as they pass around the edge and begin to walk out of the plaza, the very same direction you came from, the air grows lighter and suddenly (gasps) you can breathe. Trying. You stand in the plaza alone. Maisel puts her hands over her eyes and then, like, back through her hair. And I guess she first tries to see, like, did red cloaked person, are they visible? Are they trackable in any way? Make an investigation check with disadvantage. Uh, okay. Uh, disadvantage, that is 13. There are tracks. You could follow them. You're not sure if you want to. But you could. Okay. Um, yeah, I noticed the tracks. And I think I... (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe I, I get a little bit of those asthma symptoms again. And start to freak, um, thinking about what Demita told me about exactly that person. Um, so I, I walk to the middle of the, the town center there, or the town square there, and try to look around and see. I want to see, is anyone else freaking out like I am? The same way that I looked when the airship went past. Make a perception check. Uh, 16. You look frantically about the plaza. You're alone at the moment. There's no one else present. And then all at once, the door opens from one of the buildings behind you, and it nearly scares you half to death as someone stumbles out, bumps into the awning, and looks out over the plaza. Shit. And walks down the stairs slowly, uh, sees you, like, nods their head at you, and they kind of zigzaggingly walk their way out into the plaza and down the street with a bit of a sway in their patter as they walk away. Um, I want to walk up and lean it at, like, hand over the shoulder. Uh, you, how's, how's... Oh, shit. Um, no, it's... I'm just, you seem to have had a fun night. I did too. What if you, you and I um, help one another uh, just make it? This, uh... I'm three sheets to the wind, and you seem to be as well. This human man kind of just looks at you. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going home. Uh, kind offer. Uh... I'll have to decline. Sorry. (laughs) I've had my share for tonight. Oh, I didn't mean, um, and I think she she stands, like, not actually following me after, but, like, also trying to save from the misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So, Maisel, then standing, is she, like, entirely alone in that, uh, center square? Uh, 
After another moment, another person kind of pops out of one of the buildings, closing up their shop um, and locking the door. And they kind of start heading back out into the alleys behind the building. You can hear the sounds of people inside the inn, inside the longhouse. There's people. None of them seem to be in the plaza at the moment, aside from the person you just saw and this other uh, woman, this uh, half-elf woman who is locking up her shop for the day. Okay. Um, I think Maisel wants to try to do some magic. And not robust magic, but she um, thinking, like, I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to look. She tries to figure out where the magic that is affecting her is coming from. And uh, I'm going to cast Detect Magic. Okay. We'll conclude that in a moment. Drang, Ozius. <laughs> Duke rouses from unconsciousness, lashed to the pole of this dilapidated building. He opens his eyes. <coughs> Fuck. Well, you just fucking went for it, didn't you? Yeah. Look, I got some questions for you, so we're going to make this quick. <sighs> Fuck you. Um, I think Ozzy turns to Drang and says, um, you might want to go check on Maisel. I don't know how well she can do out there on her own. Mm. Yep. Drang is going to nod and leave. Well, first of all, partially because she agrees with Ozzy. Um, she's grown <laughs> concerned. And... Partially because she recognizes this as a please leave us alone so I can do bad things. And <laughs> like, like, yeah, she looks him in the face and gives him a nod as if to say, I understand what kind of request this is. And leaves. <laughs> yeah, I think as she leaves, uh, Audrey just says, uh, uh, thank you, Drang. So you're the piece of shit in this group. Got it. And he spits out blood. You're the one that does what I do. Yeah, Ozzy uh, pulls the magic dagger he got from Adelaide out from his pocket and says, um, well, we're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know you were going to Jack Bauer, this man. <laughs> he uh, just stares at you. Well... Suppose we should get started. Um, so yeah, I, I approach him and kind of crouch down in front of him. Uh, and I'm holding the knife out in front of me. And then I say, um, where's Zeph? <laughs> <coughs> oh man, you ask shitty questions. Too late for that one. We're just getting started with the questions here. Where is he? I already told you. You're too late for that one. I would like to punch him in the face. You strike him across the cheek. He kind of <coughs> spits blood onto the rotten wood floor of this abandoned building. His eyes starting to swell shut with the impact. <sighs> what did you do with him? I didn't do anything. 
I didn't have to do anything. Where is he? Uh, you'll find him soon enough. Him and Erica, I'm sure. I'm gonna punch him again. Uh, yeah, you strike him again and, and just, again, this... We're just getting started here, so if you don't start giving me some real answers, things are going to get a lot worse for you. <laughs> you don't... You don't seem to get it. I'm not scared of you. All right, let's try something else. Who do you work for? <laughs> now you're asking questions that aren't fucking pointless. And he spits blood into his lap. I work for people way scarier than you. You got a name for these people? Maybe. Maybe not. Okay, I'm going to circle around behind him and then put the dagger to one of his pinky fingers. Answers. <laughs> I don't need it anyways. Yeah, I'm going to take it. Okay. Make a dexterity check for me. Uh, it's a 19. It's clean and precise. You take it right at the knuckle, and there's like a snap as blood begins to pour from the severed digit, and he just grits his teeth, and you can hear his head slam against the wooden pole he's been bound to. Fuck! <laughs> you got nine more. You better start answering me. <laughs> what are you going to do when you run out? <laughs> you don't even begin to understand how much time I have for you. Who do you work for? Make an intimidation check for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16. <laughs> Not gonna matter soon anyways. She'll find you. New Caldizla. He spits one more time. I work for New Caldizla. New Caldizla. All right. Who's this she you're speaking of? No, that's one I don't think I'm ready to answer yet. You'll have to butter me up more. Well, like I said, we're just getting started. How long you been trailing us? <laughs> You've got it backwards. You're trailing me, you fucking moron. Oh, interesting. That leads us to a whole nother set of questions. Were you at the ice wield? Oh, you're a regular fucking detective. I'm going to take another finger just because I don't like the way he's speaking to me. Uh, make another dexterity check. Uh, it's a 15. Uh, less precise, but it still is a clean cut. You're able to get the finger off, but it takes more brute force than precision. And there's more of a crack and tear as that second finger comes clean off. And you can see and feel his entire body clench and tense and strain against the pole, the shackles around his wrists digging into his skin as he just grits his teeth and... <laughs> Remind me what your question was again. Oh, I was just doing it because he was being rude to me. Mm. But after I remove it, I'm going to say, uh, did you destroy it? It was already gone when I got there. <laughs> Might have been her. Who knows? All right. Here we go again. Who's she? <sighs> 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 
She is the one that you should be afraid of. If you have any sense. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get back to Zaf. Why him? <laughs> Easy, Mark. Did you recruit him? Or did he come to you? Oh, that's a bit above my pay grade, I'm afraid. So you want to start explaining to me what exactly is at your pay grade? Because so far I got about one answer from you. My pay grade is carrying shit from one place to another and making sure morons like Zeph don't fuck it up. Didn't do a very good job, it seems. Were you with Zeph at Gunner's Holt? Yes. So you know Erica, too? Unfortunately. Where's she at? Probably with him. Alright, you want to tell me where they are now? Depends on where she decided to fucking drop them. Hmm. I see. Alright. What product were you moving with Zeph? Make another intimidation check for me. Hey, 19. Something arcane. Specially requested. By who? Don't know specifically. Supposed to give the cargo over. In Frostgrave. Never made it there, thanks to you. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I did have a hand in that, huh? Never mattered, though. He kind of puts his head back and it butts up against the pillar one more time. Less important than what we got. What did you get? (laughs) Didn't really go as planned, but... Turns out Rikos wasn't fucking useless after all. Don't make a intelligence check for me. Uh, okay, that's a 13. Okay. Rikos Merriman is a name that you recall. Okay. Specifics are fuzzy, but you do remember that name. Because it holds some level of importance mm-hmm. due to the fact that chronologically it falls somewhere in your memory around the time you found yourself owing a great deal to the syndicate. Ricos. They with the syndicate? <laughs> I guess. They serve their purpose just like Zeph. What purpose was that? What did they get you? You know, I think I've said enough. Um, alright. I am going to take an ear. Okay. Uh, Another dexterity check for me. Uh, it's another 18. As you place the blade to the base of his ear, you can see he tries to pull his head away. And as soon as you start to dig in the edge under the back of his ear along the earlobe, He pulls against the pole. It kind of creaks against the force of his body. He's weak and barely holding on to life after everything that has happened to him recently, but tries his hardest to pull away from you as you're cutting into his ear, and he just says, Fuck! Stop! (coughs) Fine. Answer. He didn't matter to begin with. It was all a fucking smokescreen. We didn't really need 
The contact. You're gonna have to elaborate here. I'm a... I'm a dense guy, as far as you're concerned. You don't really know much about the people you work for, do you? You got me there. Why don't you enlighten me? He spits. Your fucking worthless friend. You want to keep the ear or no? <laughs> he thought he got a good deal with someone willing to pay him above his grade compared to what your worthless higher-ups were paying him, but that's not the truth. We could have gotten this shit into the Dominion without him. We just wanted them to pay attention. They needed a reason to send someone to find him. Find Rikos? <laughs> find Zeph, you moron. See, there's Zeph again. You said he was an easy mark. That was the only reason for bringing him on. This sounds like you were looking for him. You ever wonder why they even bothered to ask someone like you to come track down some fucking piece of shit defector who doesn't matter? Well, I mean, he's moving product and selling information. That's all I needed to know. Maybe you should have asked more questions before you found yourself where you are. Like what? Why Rikos Merriman asked for Noir Steel by name to find Zeph. And why he signed the order to have Noir requisition your help. <laughs> for some fucking low-life petty <coughs> loser. Zeph isn't worth the labor they brought on to find him. Maybe if you actually mattered to them, you'd know that. Alright, well, you've given me a lot to look into here. Um, and then I take the ear. Fuck! And you cut it clean off. <laughs> so, now, let me just make sure I got this clear. Um, you're telling me that Nuke Aldizla is using Rust Ring's resources to move product into the continent. But it sounds like you've discovered a better way. Do I have that all clear? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Now you really are asking the wrong questions to the wrong person. Well, maybe right questions. I just don't have your answers. Shit. Alright, well, uh, you know, for as dense as I am, you've made it pretty clear what you've done with Zeph and Erica. Did you drop the hammer, as it were? He is looking down, not making eye contact with you. Do you feel that? Ah, uh, can't say that I do. I feel like it's getting awfully warm. All of a sudden. Yeah, well, you've lost a lot of bud. So, uh, hey, uh, one more time. Let's talk about who she is. Uh, 
monster. You really fucked me, didn't you, Volca? It doesn't matter. You can do what you want. I'm not leaving here alive, and neither are you. Azia uh, gives a big sigh and says, um... You know, contrary to the impression I give, I like to think that I'm not a bad guy. I'm in a rough position, but I don't think I'm a bad guy. So, I need a reason more than it's your job, Ozzy, to kill you. So, I'm gonna make one. Uh, and I take my mask off. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, God. And then I stab him in the throat. I guess it makes sense. <laughs> oh, makes sense. Why they picked you? And as you have the knife stuck into his throat, his eyes start to roll back into his head and he smiles. And his face goes slack. And before you can even pull the blade from his throat, there's a, f a glow and a flicker from beneath his shirt as all at once, in but an instant, his body erupts into flame, and a pillar of fire swallows him whole, his body going limp as it begins to burn and immolate, the fire even catching the building around you, swallowing the pillar and beginning to eat the dilapidated building as you step backward, and this fire roars. Was I able to yank the knife out before getting engulfed? Yes. <laughs> just so, okay. just barely, you pull back as the flames just shoot up. Uh, mask still off. They actually almost touch your face as this tempest of fire just starts swallowing his body whole. Yeah, Ozzy is just like, shit, uh, and quickly puts his mask back on and then is going to book it. You step outside and watch as the building begins to just get swallowed by fire. It burns faster and faster until it's but ash in front of you, a frame of what it once was, as dilapidated and broken down as it was, it's even a shadow of that. The fire grows larger into a pillar, casting this yellow light across all of the buildings around you and the snowy ground as you stand there. Yeah, I think Ozzy just shakes his head um, and I'm going to start walking back towards the inn. Okay. Maisel, what do you do? You're still alone in the plaza for the moment. Yeah, I think Maisel is full-on having an, like, attack of, like, can't totally breathe right, uh, 
is trying to lean on like, oh wait, I have this one other thing I've attempted that gives me more than people around me. So Maisel trying to detect magic is probably a little like overdramatic. Um, goes silent, pulls her gloves off, and takes out what's left of the um, the bottle of Valerian gin and just pours it on her hands and like tries to rub that together as um, as something somatic. And just like puts her hands together in sort of like almost a praying and like just like thinking hard of like, what can't I see? What is doing this to me? Okay. Specifically, what is doing this to me? Okay. You try to concentrate and, and find a point that you can focus on to, to conjure magic, to do magic. And as you focus, you can feel that sensation rolling over your arms, that hair on end feeling, that charge of static, of, of magic. And you can feel it starting at the head, at the top of your head and kind of working its way down. And when you open your eyes, everything kind of goes white for a moment and then fades into its true color. As you look around you, you can see these faint wisps like oil and water through the air. Like you can see the air currents itself almost. And you can see this faint shimmering, this shifting. You look around and you can see nothing immediately in sight of magical nature, but you see this residue, this residual shimmer in the air. And you can see this shimmering on your hands fading as you have cast this magic, this residual uh, energy, this arcane energy from you. And as you look around frantically to find the source of what did this to you, you realize that the knots in your stomach are your own, not caused by something else, just the remaining anxiety that it has left with you. And as you turn, you see this bright beacon behind you, like a shining bright light. You see this white shape standing before you, these threads of brilliant, opalescent, shimmering colors stretching out from this vague silhouette that stands eight feet tall before you as it slowly approaches. And you blink your eyes a few times as it comes into shape and you can see these like bits and pieces of magic kind of pulling from thin air and coalescing in this figure. And as you blink and open your eyes again, the magic of the spell fades. And standing in front of you is Drang. Are you... Are you well? I want to go home. I think um, Drang, despite her nature, is going to give Maisel a hug. It's just gonna... <laughs> she doesn't, as usual, have much to say to that, but she's gonna give Basil a hug.
Edge of the World is a production of Tales from the Tabletop. Show notes, lore, fan art, and information about our other projects, including the Heart Engine role-playing system, are available on tfttpresents.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Twitch at tfttpresents. Join our Discord from the link on tfttpresents.com. This episode of Edge of the World was edited by Kathleen Childs. Our music is by Louis Zong. Our cast is Kat McDonald, Dalton Stevens, Dylan Irish, Joe Turner, and me, Bill Hinderman. Edge of the World comes out on Mondays and Thursdays, and we stream listen-alongs on Twitch on the last Friday of each month. Our full release and streaming schedule is available at tfttpresents.com. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps more than you could possibly imagine. Edge of the World is hosted on Shortwave. Thanks for listening.